like Salesforce, there are businesses that are doing the right thing. Aloha! No, no. Aloha! Salesforce has transformed the way businesses do business. The reality is nothing is more important to me than the success of our customers. One of the most admired companies in the world. That is why we're here as Trailblazers, because we are here to make the world better. The doors are open here for everybody. We just need to go through them. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ohana. This episode features an interview with Sarah Varney. Sarah is the CMO of Attentive, where she oversees the complete marketing strategy for the entire customer journey. Previously, she held the position of CMO at Twilo and spent over a decade at Salesforce as an SVP of product marketing. There, she played a key role in positioning and launching SalesCloud, the industry's leading sales platform. In this episode, Sarah takes us on her Salesforce journey and reveals career-defining moments. You'll hear valuable lessons Sarah's learned while running marketing for SalesCloud, her predictions for the Salesforce ecosystem, and much more. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Inside the Ohana is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding signals of buying intent and having real-time conversations. Learn more over on qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Sarah Varney, CMO at Attentive, and your host, Dan Darcy. Welcome to Inside the Ohana. I'm Dan Darcy, Chief Customer Officer at Qualified, and today I'm joined by my great friend, Sarah Varney. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm great. Great to be here, Dan. Good, good. Well, thanks for being here. Um, So I want to dive right into our first segment, Ohana Origins. Origin story begins. This is my origin story. This is an origin story. So give me the skinny, Sarah. How did you discover Salesforce and start your journey? Prior to Salesforce, I was an equities trader in finance, completely different career. And I had a contractor role at a software company prior to Salesforce, knowing I wanted to get into tech. And I found this random role on a site that was like a coolermonster.com at the time. It was called like Deuce Tang. I don't know if anyone remembers this. I'm dating myself. It was like 2007. And I applied to like a associate product marketing manager role for the app exchange. Had no idea what it was. Barely knew what Salesforce was. Um, and one thing led to another. And I ended up getting the role working for Clara Shi, who is now back at Salesforce, the Salesforce boomerang. So... Pretty lucky that I ended up where I did. So, I mean, give me a little bit more of the details. You know, what what was like, obviously you just said the the job, but, you know, tell me like, you know, what was your first impression? Like, you know, your first thoughts around the interview? What what attracted you to Salesforce? There were so many early memories of Salesforce. My first job in software, I barely knew what I was doing. I asked what an API was my first day, which is ironic because I went on to work at Twilio, which was a you know, developer focused API based company. Uh, and it's pretty amazing. I didn't get fired in those first few months, but you know, I, I put my head down. I was really open to learning and I just kind of dove in. And um, one of my earliest memories that I think is pretty funny. Uh, we used to have these city tours and which eventually morphed into the world tour. And I don't even know what it's called now, but something even grander. But back in the day, it was like, City tours, it was about 300 people. I remember the, the one that I was asked to present at was at the Colonnade Hotel in Boston. My boss at the time, Clara, had turned to me and said, hey, you know, I had a last minute conflict. I can't actually present at this event. Can you go present? And this is, I was probably like three months in the job. I'm like, 
well, what partner is presenting with me? And she's like, oh, well, I think it's like Eloqua, but you know, they only present for a little bit. Like, and I'm like, well, how long am I presenting? She goes 45 minutes. And I was like, oh my, oh my God. I like, I'm getting fired. Like that's, I am absolutely getting hundred percent fired. I was like deathly afraid of public speaking. I had Wendy Close's eight steps to CRM success deck. And I lived in the Marina at the time, you know, I was pretty fresh out of business school. And I basically, anyone who came through my, our house was kind of like, our apartment was kind of Grand Central Station. Anyone who came, happened to come by for a drink or whatever, I had to sit on my Ikea couch and listen to the eight steps to CRM success. And I would just, I had like Wendy Close's talk track, like basically memorized verbatim. Um, and so I get to the event and I had rehearsed it so many times. I, I did the presentation and I get back and, I, and I'm like, phew, okay, I nailed it. Like, got it done. I got all the words right and memorized everything. And I get to my seat and Ann Chen's sitting there in the front row. It's like one of the nicest people alive. She's still on the AR team at uh, Salesforce. And I was like, you know, uh, how do you think I did? And she goes, that was one of the worst presentations I've ever heard. <laughs> Oh my God. And that's crazy coming from Anne. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so that was just, so good. you know, my first, uh, you know, uh, major kind of attempt at public speaking, but it was, you know, I just am so thankful for Salesforce for giving all of us those opportunities. Cause you're never going to learn unless you're kind of forced to do that. And over the years I had to really perfect that skill um, and it's something that served me. You know, I mean, and you're, life. I mean, you're a master presenter. It's, it's incredible watching you, Sarah, but I think that is a true testament to what Salesforce is like, throw you in the deep end, right up, right at the beginning and see what you can do and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and learn from it. But uh, now on the flip side, so how many years were you at Salesforce? I was at Salesforce for almost 11 years. Yeah. So 2007 to 2018. Yeah. And, and obviously you were an SVP for a very long time, but I want you to brag a little bit because I know you've had just incredible success during your time at Salesforce. What would you think is the biggest success you've had or the something that you're most proud of? I had three very different roles at Salesforce. I started off in the app exchange. It was like the wild, wild west of cloud. I was trying to convince these like very established enterprise players to come bet their their whole business and livelihood on us. But, you know, I think, and that was a really exciting role. I think there's there's two moments though at Salesforce that I'm really proud of. One's like a more of a stretch of time and one's an actual kind of launch. Um, the stretch in time was really at desk.com. I had you know, been on App Exchange for five years and been doing partner marketing. And we were nervous about the low end of the market for the you know, customer service space. And so we had acquired Assisly, which was rebranded desk.com. And Layla Seca, who's one of my longtime mentors at Salesforce, was named the GM. And so she brought me in to run marketing. And I was really kind of thrown into the deep end there, had to build out the team from scratch, not really knowing how to do that. And I always say to this day, that role, even though um, the, pi- the amount of pipeline I managed and the revenue I managed was much smaller than what I ultimately owned at Sales Cloud, that was the best training ground ever to ultimately become a CMO because you just had to like, again, Salesforce just throws you in the deep end of the pool and you know trust people that have, have shown leadership in other ways to, to kind of learn and grow on the job. And you know that was some of the best learning I had. And I think together as a group, we were able to kind of restart that brand and, and get people excited about Assisly and ultimately Desk.com. But I I think like launch kind of moment in time, like Salesforce style, like it's a very uh, launch centric marketing culture. You're only as good as your last couple of weeks, you know, on the team or your last launch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah. In my last role, I was running marketing for Sales Cloud, and bringing Lightning to our customer base was a super critical and exciting moment for Salesforce. And there were things that went right that it was great, you know, to kind of re-energize our core moneymaker in Sales Cloud. And there were things that we got wrong. It was really hard to kind of thread that needle press-wise. Like I remember one of the first headlines we got, and I think I I cried for about 24 hours after. It was just like, you know, Salesforce finally like fixes its terrible UI, you know. That was just like, okay, great. We've worked on this for months now. And that's the, you know, the headline that, you know, Business Insider wants to write. But that was a huge moment for us as a company because we had always said, hey, you leave on a Friday, you come on a Monday and the, you know, the product's upgraded for you. You don't have to do anything. And in some ways we were breaking that promise for, for good reason. We wanted to really upgrade the product, make it more modern, make it, you know, just more in tune with what our buyers actually wanted. But that was going against a contract that we had been promising in marketing for years. And so we had to be really careful about how we did that. So, I mean, let's take the opposite side of the spectrum because I know you just talked about, you know, one of the lessons you learned in public speaking, but what would you say is one of your biggest lessons learned? At Salesforce, these are my first roles in tech. And I think there's some general management missteps that I made that I think I'm sure a lot of people go through when you're in an industry for the first time and, and charting your way through a um, new roles. And I think for me, like one of the biggest lessons is I was a little bit, I was definitely gun shy earlier in my career to hire my replacement and hire someone that was like knew more than me about anything. I felt like I always had to be like the expert. And if you're going to move up into senior ranks of management, that's never going to be the case where you want to hire people that, especially if you're in a general kind of CMO role, there's no way you're going to be incredible at brand, incredible at growth, incredible at product marketing. You know, there's just the disciplines are so different from each other. And so it's really critical as early as you can in your career to pick up that you're only going to move faster in your career by hiring the best underneath you that you possibly can. Now, if you could go back and talk to the Sarah that's just starting out at Salesforce, what advice would you give to yourself? I think one thing that I learned over time at Salesforce uh, as a as a marketer, and I'll speak a lot from a marketer's perspective here, obviously, because that's my role. But, you know, I think we get kind of hyper focused on the external manifestation of what your marketing looks like. Like, well, how's it going to look on the website? How's it going to show up in an event? And I think the one thing sometimes people forget, especially in a company like Salesforce, which is very sales driven and customer field focused and customer facing role focused, you sometimes forget to actually market your marketing. Like you've got to get people internally excited about your ideas, get them like crystal clear on, you know, your three to four top value propositions for your product, because they are often your biggest lever to get that news out. And you want them to be doing it in a really consistent way. So I always tried to be a broken record. Like when we went through that lightning launch, I was just talking about, I would say, sell faster, sell smarter, sell the way you want. And I said, I did not change that messaging in any presentation I did for a year. And I really just wanted people to make sure we were focused on, you know, sales productivity, AI and intelligence, because that was the theme du jour, and then the customization of the platform. So sell faster, sell smarter, sell the way you want. Every all hands, every opportunity I had to speak to sales or do a lunch and learn, every, you know, website, every anything, like I would just try to make sure I was a broken record so that that message would really sink in. I, I love that lesson because I, you know, I think it's, it is something that we practice pretty hardcore at Salesforce because it's a 
different channel if you think about it in terms of getting the entire company aligned around the message. I mean, they're going to be your biggest channel and your biggest mouthpiece talking to customers, talking to, you know, other people in the market. And so getting that alignment is really important. So I, I love that market, the marketing and alignment piece. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things I'm sure we could like rattle off of like yeah. the apartment building analogy. Like we always use that to talk about multi-tenant. Yes. There was like the success framework. There was, you know, a money slide. There was the crack slide. Like there's so many well, and that's funny. it's funny. I mean, you mentioned that because it's like you have to repeat it multiple times, even if it's, you know, delight your customers in a whole new way. Right. Yep. <laughs> right? That yeah. terminology, it's like getting that out there and that message was consistent and you just had to keep repeating it until you actually had, you know, the, the sales rep repeating your marketing for you. That's when you know you've won that that campaign and that launch, too. I think that's also a really important piece. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. So let me ask you, because I asked this of all my guests, is the meeting of Ohana. Everyone thinks about <laughs> the term Ohana differently. And I know, especially in the market now with, with where things are, you know, the Ohana term is in question, but like, what does Ohana mean to you? I always feel so lucky to have worked at Salesforce for as long as I did. And I like, I consider a lot of the colleagues I worked with their family now. I probably have 40 people in my phone I could text if I was like needing something or I had a needed answer to a question or wanted to hang out like we're just like we are super fortunate that we all worked there and worked with such great people like I have an example even just from yesterday I was at a random gym class in Alameda if you're not from the Bay Area it's like pretty like it's not a random town but it's not like <laughs> I was at like Equinox downtown in San Francisco and on the treadmill next to me was a woman who had worked on my team like five years ago I haven't seen her in forever and it was just like old times like I was just like oh it's so great to see you and you know I was just so, you know, sometimes I, I've been at places at work where you like don't want to see people outside of work. And like anytime I run to a Salesforce person and just like so excited to see them, we're mutually like excited to learn what's been happening with each other. And I just feel really blessed to have that kind of work family. That's, I guess, what I'd say Ohana means to me that kind of has your back no matter where you end up going. I mean, and yeah, I feel the same with you, Sarah, right? Where I can call you at any point or text you and just ask any random question out of nowhere without any formalities. And it feels like, you know, it does. It's it's like family in that regard. And I think, you know, it, it, it stems back to, you know, that special time at Salesforce where, you know, it was, a, it was definitely a war time at Salesforce and you felt like you went to battle with a lot of these folks and just being there. So that's, that's a special, I love that definition of Ohana. Now, are there any special Ohana moments that are a little behind the scenes? that you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I think over the course of my 10 years at Salesforce, we went through so many major shifts. We were cloud and then mobile and then social. And when we were going through the mobile shift and iPhones were really starting to take hold and we we're seeing a huge explosion of apps on the consumer side, we wanted to capitalize on that on the enterprise side for the app exchange. And so we came up with this concept. We were a super small team, probably like three or four of us. And we came up with a concept called Business App Bootcamp where we recruited a bunch of press, a bunch of VCs, a bunch of developers who hadn't been building our platform yet to get together in San Francisco. And it was the start of a series of events we ultimately ended up doing. But it was something we'd never tried before. It was a little bit risky because we had all these kind of outside parties coming to it. And it was one of those career moments where I'm like, all right, I'm either going to get promoted or I'm going to get fired, depending on how this event goes. And so we kind of worked all hours and it came together amazingly. 
And we had just a great attendance and everyone was like super excited. And it was just the start of really, I mean, the app exchange was well on its way, but it, it really was an inflection point for app exchange where we really started to see people kind of gravitate towards our ecosystem and see the opportunity. And so it's just cool to look back, you know, now yeah. app exchange is thousands of apps and, yeah. and tons of different partners and such an established, you know, foundational marketplace. And it was just cool to be part of the, the early days of that. Well, and I love that Ohana moment. I feel like it's a testament to what Salesforce was really around innovation and really trying to drive new innovative tactics to drum up more excitement around, to your point, business apps on the mobile device too. So I thought that's that's a really great Ohana moment. So Sarah, what was your first Dreamforce and are there any Dreamforce moments or stories you'd like to share? Yeah, I think my first Dreamforce was... 2008. And, you know, we, we talk about Dreamforce in terms of bands. I think that was the year of NXS with the new singer. Yeah. I mean, in terms of Dreamforce, I mean, my first Dreamforce, it's just like you're, you've never seen anything like it. You're like, this is like, where do I work? Like, this is like a rock show. I mean, not just the concert itself, but the keynotes and the campground and the expo and everything is just this massive, massive production. Like you've never seen and super fun. And I just remember this one pivotal moment at my first Dreamforce where I was like, wow, I'm really lucky to be here at this time. And it was this we were launching force.com. That was right around when I started. And Ariel Kelman was running marketing for the platform at the time. And there was a moment in the keynote when they brought on like three CIOs. They kind of came out of the fog in a really dramatic way and walked on the stage. And like the CIOs weren't from any like, you know, crazy enterprise company, but you know, they had like the CIO of Kelly Services, the CIO of, I don't know, two other companies. And they came on. I'm like, wow, like we have arrived. Like this is like a real moment where like the company is really starting to make a name for itself and get into the enterprise. And like, little did I know that that was just the start of many things to come. And I, there's milestones that, you know, I could see the progression over, you know, keynotes as the, as the years went on. Like I remember when the CEO of PeopleSoft came the next year and I was like, that was more validation. And George Lucas was there. And then like, you know, Bill Clinton and, and uh, Richard Branson and just, and not even, you know, sometimes it was celebrity guests, but sometimes it was our customers and just watching that progression just made you really proud to be yeah. part of Salesforce. Well, and that's, you know, I think a lot of the job also at the time was from a marketing perspective was to make it fun. But how do you make enterprise IT sexy and fun? Right. And that's I think that was a lot of the goal. And I, I can imagine I remember seeing that vision now that you actually just painted of like the fog and then the CIOs coming out like the rock stars. Right. Right. So, right. Totally. So that's awesome. Let's get into our next segment. What's cooking? Hey, buddy. What's cooking? Let's both cook together. Yeah, cooking, 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 cooking now. All right. Sarah, you're now the CMO of Attentive. I want you to talk about how you got to where you are now and what your journey has been like to get to your current role. Yeah. So after Salesforce, I went to be the CMO at Twilio and I was there for about four years. I was working for George Hugh, another Salesforce exec, kind of a legend at Salesforce. And just to have the opportunity to work for him, I couldn't pass up. And it was a really exciting time to be at Twilio. They were a business that was at about $400 million in revenue with only 30 salespeople. So super healthy, self-serve motion. And the next chapter for them was how do they build an enterprise sales function and really grow the business and grow their footprint in the enterprise. So it was really fun to be there at the time. I learned a ton about developers and um, had not had exposure to that in my time at Salesforce as much. 
And from there, I learned about the company I'm currently at, Attentive, which was a customer of, of Twilio's. Twilio focuses on communication APIs, and Attentive was using Twilio as a product to deliver SMS marketing. And so I'm the CMO here at Attentive. Uh, we're about 1,200 people, growing really quickly, really focused on retail and e-com, and we're pre-IPO, and so that's an experience I've I've never had. It's been fun to be at a company at this stage in its life cycle and to kind of rewind the clock and think about, all right, what did we do at Salesforce or Twilio when we were this size, and what parts of my playbook uh, should I apply, and what parts do I need to kind of build out you know, from first principles. So it's been, it's been a really fun time to be at a company like this. It's been a challenging time given the market conditions, but I feel really lucky to be here. I mean, speaking of challenges, what challenges are you seeing now? And like, how are you applying what you learned from Salesforce, like to those challenges? It just given the environment and the uh, market's focus on profitability versus growth at any cost, like we've definitely had to live the mantra of doing more with less and just ruthlessly prioritize what we're going to do as a marketing team. So, you know, I'm not like I, I was having a conversation with one of my team members the other day and they wanted to do a customer video that was really focused on the brand of this customer. And I said, you know, I would love to do that in a perfect world, but we also, we, we don't have the luxury of doing something that's not really tied to action in the sales funnel. And so like, we need to also make this like metrics oriented and not just be kind of a high level thing. And so, you know, as a marketer, you want to be able to do all of those kinds of, you know, you want to have kind of the long play and the and the shorter term wins. But I think in this market, you've got to really be focused on how you can put points on the board as quickly as possible. Metrics and value, metrics and value. That's 100%. definitely. So what's next for you and how are you shaping the future? Generally, we've had a foothold in retail and e-com and we've got amazing brands and amazing customers in all kinds of segments. And I think the next chapter for us is how do we take a lot of our use cases and apply them to new verticals, like whether that's sports and entertainment or media and hospitality or food and beverage. And also, I think AI is a huge component of that. Like we are, we've just had two releases in the last month, uh, one around kind of generative copy and images for SMS campaigns. And then also one just around like, how could you automate your whole holiday uh, campaign calendar for the year? And, you know, I think these are things that, you know, some people might find scary and be like, hey, am I going to have a job in a few years? But I personally just think it's going to take some of this tedious, manual work off the plates of marketers so they can be focused on more strategic activities and and you know drive more impact for their companies ultimately. I mean, I think this is the next big shift to your point um, that you made earlier around cloud, mobile, social, obviously now it's AI. So yeah, what I mean, I, I think that'll be exciting to think what are the exciting tactics or strategies you want to bring to your team to at Attentive? That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. I mean, and there's, you know, I'm talking about tools that our customers ultimately use, but I think there's tools internally we're going to use as a marketing team too. I mean, we're already users of product called Writer to help think about, all right, we've got this blog post. How do we translate that into email copy? How do we translate that into a social post? And, you know, it's pretty cool to be able to, to save time that way. I mean, that that could be its own a whole podcast around all the AI use cases that are coming out right now. It's super overwhelming, but I mean, exciting, but also like, my gosh, where do we start? Oh, yeah, totally. Let's get into our final segment, the future forecast. Future. 
Sarah, what do you envision as the future of the Salesforce ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, I think there's just so many different paths uh, a member of the Salesforce ecosystem can go at this point, given how many clouds there are within Salesforce and use cases. And Salesforce generally still is applicable to all segments. Uh, and I think the the partners that are, are really going to win are going to think about, first off, like places where there isn't a huge volume of apps to begin with. Like I remember when I was working on App Exchange, we had a ton of bells and whistles to add to Sales Cloud, but we didn't really have a lot of applications that were as applicable to Service Cloud. And I'm sure that that's matured far beyond what it was when when I was on App Exchange. But I think like identifying those pockets of need. And then I also think like getting specific on segment and industry, I really do think the more you can think about, all right, what does, it was revolutionary at the time just to be moving CRM to cloud. And so we got away with having applications that were primarily horizontal and, you know, you didn't really have to worry about the vertical applications. I think now software buyers are definitely more particular and they want to make sure that it's not just a, a CRM add-on that works broadly, but also really knows them as, let's say, someone who works in an insurance company and, you know, talks about clients with a particular terminology and has particular workflow that they absolutely need to see in their product before they'll even consider going down that path. So I think it's just important to think about where the TAM exists in the Salesforce ecosystem and building applications that are are really tailored to that use case. Now, obviously with the market where it's at, we've seen Salesforce go through a lot of change right now, but can you give us a prediction of what where you think Salesforce and what Salesforce is going to look like in the future? Look, I think everyone in software right now is going through tricky times. It's really difficult when for the last 15, 20 years, you've been encouraged to Take market share at any cost, grow, grow, grow. And, you know, uh, to expect any company to flip overnight, especially at the size of Salesforce to, um, you know, only focus on profitability. It's just tough. I I think this is a moment in time for Salesforce. I I know that it's it can be a challenging environment, but I think Salesforce long term is unstoppable. And I think the clouds will part and um, the company will be off into the races again. It'll be a new day. It'll be a new day for them. It so, will. It yeah. will. So I know the company still has a ton of potential ahead of it. And it's just a matter of kind of the market settling down. So Sarah, what advice do you have for aspiring marketing leaders? I think you have to just be open to always learning. I think that people that I have had on my team that I have seen kind of stall out have either just not been receptive to feedback or have kind of assumed that they know everything that they need to know. And I think what pushes leaders forward into the next level of growth is being curious and taking on work that might not be squarely in your jurisdiction, but is going to help push you into a new avenue or pick up a new skill that will just prep you for the next role. So I, I don't want that advice to come off as say yes to everything and be a yes person. But I think being on the lookout for leaders that have good momentum, projects that are going to you know push you into new areas where you don't have that existing skill, you should be on the lookout for those and, and take full advantage where you can. Sage advice. I mean, it's just like I actually have chat GPT up, you know, where I'm learning that whole the whole AP, open API because I'm like open AI. I mean, because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to get a hold on this. And so the, the best way is by being curious. So love that advice. Now, before letting you go, I want to have fun with a quick lightning round. Cue the lightning. You didn't like it. Lightning. Lightning fast. <laughs> 
Secret skill not on the resume. Uh, it's on my Twitter profile, but I'm a pretty decent bowler. That's awesome. When was your last 300 game? Well, I'm not that good. But. <laughs> okay, well, let's go bowling soon. Now, what's the best way to spend an evening after work? Probably watching Bravo, especially like given what's happening on Vanderpump Rules these days. <laughs> Scandaval. There Scandaval. we go. Can't get enough. Favorite brand of anything? Gosh, favorite brand of anything. I'd say right now I'm a huge Vori fan. Like they can do no wrong in my eyes. So big sweatpants person. <laughs> love apparently. it. You just won front row seat tickets to your dream event. What is it? Oh, man, I'm a huge live music person. So this one's tough. Uh, I would probably say I, I just went to Taylor Swift, which was incredible. But I feel like that's like a generic. Everyone's going to say that. I would say any show at the Ryman. I'm a huge country music fan. And if you haven't seen a show at the Ryman in Nashville, it's like an old church, basically, where they used to do services. And it's a super cool venue. And just kind of if you're there, it's a you got to That's like got to be on your bucket list. I love that answer. Now, Sarah, this has been so much fun. Before I let you go, uh, let the listeners know where they can find you. and, And if there's anything else that you'd like to share or anything to plug. Yeah, no, you can find me um, on Twitter at Sarah Bernie Bright. You can find me on LinkedIn. Please reach out. Um, I'm always uh, looking to network. And, you know, like I said earlier in the um, session, I'm, you know, always I, I love the Ohana because we're always here to kind of help each other out when and it could be something as serious as trying to find your next job or it could be something like having just a simple question to, you know, a challenge you're having day to day. So please feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for today. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Inside the Ohana is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, the conversational sales and marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate and review it and tell a friend. Thank you for listening.